Ciao. Ciao. Didn't take your pills again, huh? Drink up, all of it. Now close your eyes and go to sleep. You're not leaving me, are you, Richard? If you begin that therapy business, you'll never stop. But you don't understand. The dreams I have are like horror stories. Darling, everybody occasionally has nightmares. You're having more than your fair share because just a week after that operation. She was your mother, right? Yes. How old were you when it happened? I was seven. I don't know if you realize it, Jane, but you're already at the point that we normally predict as the beginning of the end of our work. In understanding it, your trauma should finally fade away. I wouldn't be at all surprised, my dear, if your troubles are almost over. I'd like to believe it. Do you really think so? Well, I can't be too sure, but I would say yes. I presume you've discussed this problem with your husband. Well, uh, you see, I'm not married to him. Does that prevent you from telling him about this? because he wouldn't believe me. He puts it all down to a car accident I had last year. I lost my baby, you know. You had a miscarriage? Yes. And since then, you've experienced tension in the relationship between you and your, your partner. Is that true? Yes. Yes, you're right. But, well, it's not the accident. I mean, it's not losing the baby that bothers me, Doctor. It's the other thing. Uh, you mean the man with the stiletto? Yes. But how can I possibly tell Richard a story like that? You'll just end up by loathing me. I've already caused him enough difficulties. But if I lose him, I die. I've got to get rid of this thing. Ah. Uh, does being a little bit dark worry you? Ciao, ciao, everybody. Hello, and welcome to episode 15, the most monumental number yet, of the Jalo Chow Chow. <laughs> I am one of the three hosts here, Creep Creeperson. We are going to be chowing your Jalo tonight. And with me is Eric and Chris. Say hello, Eric and Chris, at the same time. Hello, Whoa. Eric. Oh, damn it. Oh, I'm too, too fast for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what he said to her. You know, this is this is the greatest <laughs> episode 15 in the history of our show, you guys. Yeah. And not only that, it's the newest episode 15 ever in our show. That's right. Yeah. Hey, hey, we're only doing this once, so we got to get it right. <laughs> we can't do episode 15 part two. We can't do it forever, you know? We can't do the remake. Mm, no. Right. So, yeah. So, what's been going on, guys? Awesome. I'll let, yeah. Uh, I'll let Chris go first, because I don't have anything. So... Actually, I don't I have just... very much of anything either, to be honest. <laughs> uh, uh, what can I say? Um, been living my life. I think I said that last time. Uh, just being a dad and, uh, you know, getting ready for summer. And my son just had a graduation ceremony yesterday. He is, um, he's already graduated twice and he's not in kindergarten yet. So, uh, <laughs> They really that's all they um, do it these days. That's they they really really get you. Um, they, they've got this thing about you know building up the kid's self esteem at an early age. I think so. Wow. But uh, yeah, you know we're getting ready for summer and um, the weather's nice and uh, I haven't doing I haven't been doing much Jallo watching. I've been playing Hearthstone. I've been watching Orange Is the New Black season two just came out is that and... good is that worth watching seriously oh yeah it's really good it's okay. really really for really, someone really good. and like for someone who I'm not... watched all of weeds but the whole time watching it hated the main chick would i like this show i never saw weed so i have oh, no idea damn it okay my, but, my um, wife is binge watching it right now so i i'm i'm not i, I mean like means. i don't i don't watch shows that are you know i mean this is this is a show that's primarily you know female cast i'd say it's a 90 percent female cast um and you know my wife is a big sex in the city person and i've you know i can i can um i can bow my head and 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 kind of embarrassingly admit that i've watched a couple of the episodes from time to time but you know it's not something that, that i would seek out and watch on my own whereas with this show Um, we started watching the first season and it's, it's really good. It's really well written and well acted. And, um, so I would recommend it for sure. And, uh, supposedly house of cards is really good too. I haven't. Oh, it's really good. I like the, um, the British version though, too. That was really good too. Huh? Both awesome. Didn't even know. But if you don't want anything spoiled in the U S version, don't watch the UK version until Netflix decides they're not doing any more house of cards. Okay. That's just my thing. Um, honestly, <clears throat> if anyone is watching anything right now, you need to be watching um, the BBC version of Sherlock. It's fucking the most amazing thing on television. Like, huh. it's so fucking good. There's only like three episodes every season, but the episodes are an hour and a half long. And they are just. Get, like I've never watched a show that gets better each season. Like this last season wow. of it was so fucking good. Like, uh, it's just it's cool. really good. And it's got that dude who's in um, he was in like Lord of the Rings and he was in uh, World's End and he's on Fargo now. 
plays the insurance guy on the Fargo show. Oh. If anyone knows what the fuck I'm talking about, that guy's in it and he's great. So yeah. We are having some technical difficulties. Um, well, just so you guys know, I was informed today that Mercury is in retrograde. So in between now and the 21st of the month, um, all telecommunications are going to be shit. Mm. So. That is strange news. Did not know that. And this might be a good movie to uh, be talking about during such a. Such an event. Such an event. Wow. Well, you know, I thought it was because I, I called Comcast and I gave them back their modem I was renting and I bought my own. And ever since then, I've had pretty crappy service. So I, I, I don't know if they're playing games with me. But I don't play games, as you guys know. Not at all. If there was one person I would not want to play a game with, it was Mr. Bergstrom. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, yeah, so those were TV shows. And um, uh, my week's been pretty silly i had some stuff i screened some movies did a book signing played a show went to the beach got sunburned really bad um so yeah away in a tornado almost blew away in a tornado yep that happened too i would have waved at you if you blew by me yeah, you're up in my neck of the woods. There were a bunch of asshole people saying stuff like, "Oh yeah, if you swing by with a cow, take a picture." <laughs> um, <laughs> not funny. Not funny, guys. Um, but yeah, I was up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh yeah. And um, the yeah. Armpit. They had a Wendy's, so I was fine. You know, <laughs> could have done with more Starbucks in the neighborhood, but um, it was good good times we watched my movies finger bang the bitch that cried wolf vaginal holocaust and cage lesbos a go-go so as you can see um it was those are like your those are your four pillars of creep creeperson right (laughs) they really shouldn't be oh but um (laughs) but yes but everyone seemed to enjoy it and everyone had a good time so awesome that was really cool Mm-hmm. When's and your then, Jello film coming out? When's my Jello film coming out? Yeah. Well, the one that I was trying to make a Jello, that Satanicus one, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, that yeah. one's in post still. Um, I don't know. I have, um, I have, I sent all my movies to an editor, and then my editor gives me the ones that he finishes as he finishes them. And so sometimes I get excited thinking I'm going to get, like, Fork You back and I get, like, a cut of Frankenstein's Bride or something. Which is still cool, but it's like, I never know until there's something for me to look at. <laughs> so hopefully by the end of this year all those movies will be cut. Okay. That's the plan. But anyway, so um, let's uh, get into this whole... Um, top three thing and let's preface this by saying we are going to spoil at most nine films right now so it's never been done (laughs) so if you do not want to have movies spoiled you might want to skip ahead maybe in the show notes even it'll say what time is a safe time if it doesn't then just skip ahead until you feel comfortable. You said it, so you got to do it now. Okay. Eric said it, we'll so I to, have to do it now. 
we'll, we'll try to do like a ding, 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 ding before we. So if you if you uh, if you've skipped ahead and then you hear some ding, ding, dings, then keep skipping. Yes. Well, no, 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 that's not right. If you if you hear ding, 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 stop skipping. Is that right? Means you're safe. Yeah, whatever. You made it home. It would probably be better if you just went all the way into the trailer of all the colors of the dark. Which would probably be loud music and maybe someone screaming, um, considering that's how a lot of these trailers end up sounding like. But um, today on the top three, you know what we should do? Uh, do any of you guys have Facebook open at the moment? Yes, I can. Um, because people put in their titles, like their picks, for that's what right. last week's. Maybe we should indulge everybody. Let's be interactive. Yeah. Yes, that's a good way to All right. do that. Um, yeah, so it's on the, the Zhao Chow Chow group. If you are not a member of the group yet, it's not hard. You um, search it on Facebook, and then you say you want to join the group. And then eventually one of us will say okay. And then you get to join us for all of our silly questions and comments and pictures and tuna cans and pegs and all sorts of fun stuff we do scrutinize it pretty heavily though so be sure to have your credentials ready oh yeah for realsies actually i still don't know why i'm in this group but yeah i don't even know how i'm even allowed on facebook so we're all good (laughs) (laughs) did you come across it yet chris no is it attached to a particular post yeah i've got it up actually oh Okay. Eric's uh, got it up. The, the May 28th post from Creep Creeperson. We did a top three this week on the show. If you'd like to give us your best titles. So we've got it's a like couple. A time capsule. That's right. Oh, here we go. Sure. Once it's on the internet, it never leaves. It's there forever. Way back machine, baby. Yep. So hit that shit, man. What do we got? All right. Oh, am I taking this over? Sorry, Chris. That's fine. Uh, the first one we've got is from Hayden Watkins who says his top three easiest and quickest to write so he added a little bit more criteria uh, are amok, torso, and eyeball and I think that is fabulous and that's something we should have done we went the like opposite that. way most of the time yeah, I like usually the one, the titles one word titles it's nice yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Al Owens says in no particular order so sweet, so dead he also uh, included the original titles that tie with locked room for length and uh, translates as revelations of a sexual maniac to the chief of the vice squad. That is awesome. <laughs> I don't even know. What, I'm trying to parse that out. I, just, I still don't know what that means. But You might want to throw a comment in there sometimes, but probably not. Right. Uh, he's also got the bloodsucker leads the dance. Which I didn't come across, but that's At interesting. And uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve, classic. Yeah. And then, uh, Chris, I'll, uh, I'll let you take this next one. Alrighty. Actually, it's just because uh, I, don't, I don't really want to say the name. but. Oh, okay. So it's Merrick Zach, Zachar Kiw. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Eric. Appreciate that. <laughs> Merrick, uh, please let us know if we're slaughtering your name. I'm sure we are. His top three are Death Laid an Egg, 
title says it all, really. The Iguana with the Tongue of Fire, which we all liked, and your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. Hell um, yeah. He would like to suggest another top three for the show in the form of haircuts. Ooh, definitely. So, uh, yes. I know the <clears throat> creep is uh, all excited about that one. Now, I need to preface that, because I think in that post he actually put a picture of somebody in there. Um, your buddy. Is that are those haircuts or hairdos? Are these um, just male, just female, or male and female combined? That would be my question. Ah, uh, yes. I, I should actually yeah, just put that in the group and ask him. But yeah, it's a very important distinction. It is because I could think of quite a few dude hairs that are kind of weird, uh, <laughs> but then. You know, you could lay Edwidge down on a bed of anything and have her hair fling back all fun, and that looks yummy. Yummy. Anyway. Yeah, he's got Ivan Rasimov with the white wig. So rad. And then, uh, looks like one more. Torsten File said that Death laid an egg. Torso. And uh, your vice is a dot dot dot, since no one wants to actually type out that entire title. And uh, he does agree with everyone's choice except for the washing machine. <laughs> Just makes him want to listen to Sonic Youth. Yeah, that's true. That's the first thing I thought of, too. That's hysterical. <laughs> so there we go. Cool. Good one. You know what's funny, though? I will say I had more conversations since the last episode about the washing machine with people who listened to the show than about anything else we talked about. <laughs> so that was actually kind of clever and weird so good times will we know what your vote's going to be for for the next no. slate of episodes oh no okay I'm going to say it one more time because that was fun no okay no um, but today this was um, Chris picked our top three so Chris why don't you tell us what it is top three that we're going to discuss tonight is our top three killers songs so so what's your top three favorite songs by the killers go uh (laughs) somebody told me you had a boyfriend or something like that it looked like a girlfriend oh i like that one uh the the when you were young song that's pretty good one yeah I was but actually kind of joking, but... Uh, I can only name two. Hey, you know what? So. Sam's Town is actually a very good album. I, I still like that album. Did they do a whole album, or did they do an album where all the videos on the album were supposed to look like spaghetti westerns? Did that really happen, might have been. or did I dream that? Possible. Um, well, I know Sam's Town was kind of a, like, I don't know, western-themed, I thought, maybe. Oh, that's cool. I'll yeah. have to give that... A closer gander. Sure. All right. So, um, Chris, take it. Who who should go first here? Uh, Creep should go first. Damn it. And okay. uh, Eric second, and then me third. Got it. Sure. Okay. Well, that's cool. Hopefully. Okay. Now here's the thing. <laughs> My problem that I have here is that I was thinking of all of the cool killers that I've liked in these movies. And at first I had six. And I had to, like, narrow it down and all this other shit. And so I narrowed it down to four. And even then, I feel like I'm not 
narrowing it down enough. So, um, this is gonna hurt really bad, okay? And, and we should probably, I should probably preface this by saying, because we, we haven't discussed this ahead of time at all, but... No. The, the, the reason why any of us would pick favorite killers could be for any number of reasons. It could be the way that they conduct their stalking sequences or the motive that they had or the way that they are, you know, their, their ultimate demise. It could be for any reason. It could be just the way that they look or, or just anything, really. It's not about, you know, what's your favorite killer's weapon what's your favorite killers you know and so on and so forth and so, for me honestly on that note um like for most of the ones i picked motive was not an issue right except for number one the number one that i that played a little bit into it but for number three um i'm still on the fence with this but I, i'm gonna just go ahead and go with eyeball because i love the red and I never screamed like a girl like I ever did when I saw, <laughs> spoiler alert, the girl <laughs> shoving the eyeball into her eye socket. Like, that whole thing was just amazing, and I couldn't believe it. And for someone who was a killer, like, when she wasn't being a killer, she had awesome glasses, she dressed pretty slick. I, I enjoyed being around her, even when she wasn't killing people. But right. the red was just so unconventional, and it looked like a fucking trash bag, like a giant red trash bag running around. Yep. And that's just one of my favorite movies, anyway. So I have to go that way. And it's always it's always fun when you have a female killer too. You know, that that always that always makes it more interesting. Although the, you know, Giallo has their fair share of which was killers. hard because my number four was a female too. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Moving on. Well, you're talking about four flies. Yeah. Oh. At that, <laughs> that she she was in my top ten. Spoiler Ooh. alert again. But go ahead, Eric. What was your what's your number three? Uh, my number three is kind of unconventional as well, though not that much. It's still it's a male, but uh, just the way that he dressed. Um, and this is from Torso. Uh, I liked I liked the ski mask in this one. And I should have prefaced mine by saying that my choices aren't going to be probably as diverse as your guys's, as, as you know I'd kind of limited in the Gialli that I've seen, but Torso I think would still be in there no matter what. Um, I just thought he was he was a smart and cunning killer, but he was also very savage, dismembering the bodies, uh, while also still playing kind of a cat and mouse with Susie Kendall. So, um, And then I also just thought that the motive was kind of the strangest and the, the funniest. Um, if I remember right, it was something to do with the fact that uh, he his friend got knocked off of a cliff by a girl who he had forced to lift up her dress when they were young. So he no longer trusted women because they used their sexuality to <laughs> metaphorically knock men off of cliffs. Makes perfect basically. sense to me. So, yeah. So I just, it was like the longest, most drawn out explanation. It would never happen in real life. No killer would stand there and talk for 10 minutes about their psychiatric problems, but I still just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> See, that's the thing about Torso for me, because I... The motive is really silly, and I like what the killer did, and I like how all that was played out, but I don't like the ski mask. Like, that always really bothered me for some reason. But yeah. in actuality, it's like... 
that would probably be like the easiest like disguise right you know so after all the cool masks we had to see in the late 70s and 80s it's kind of lame but i suppose back then it was kind of interesting i don't know you don't really see masks like that on maybe he wasn't trying to be interesting he was just trying to hide his face like a normal motherfucker would with some jackass fucking motive story like that and you can't af- you can't afford a fancy costume like a red poncho or anything or an amazing <laughs> scarf that's red and black not black yes. and red <laughs> right red on black not black on red get it right yep <laughs> all right chris what's up okay so my uh number 3 killer is uh Cassoni from the cat of nine tails and um real i really really <laughs> like him um for lots of different reasons um not the least of which is his ultimate demise down the elevator shaft um but i don't know uh, i've got a lot of I, I there's a lot of stuff i like about the way that that the film portrayed this guy um there's just there's just certain scenes in cat of nine tales that um I'll always stick with me and one of the ones that i remember is there's a um a scene where uh i can't remember the guy's name the guy that gets run over by the train yes the beginning of the film there's a scene where he makes a phone call up to the director's office and he knows who the killer is and at this in this in this particular point in the film it's not even a killer it's um, the blackmailer it's just or whatever. Somebody stole something and knocked out the white, the night watchman. So he knows who did it. He calls up to the director's office and they, Argento does this, does this amazing shot where, um, he shows, like he, he had already shown everybody who was in the, in the office. So you see all of the characters, there's like six of them. And then you see this guy dialing the phone. You see the, um, you see, it cuts to a scene of um, Giordani, the uh, newspaper reporter, walking down the hallway. So they've just totally, you know, interrupted this kind of time timeline sequence. And then they cut over to just a close-up of the phone and somebody, um, somebody basically hanging up the phone after getting this phone call. So it, that scene, like there was, there was nothing spoken. But it was it was obvious that right in that moment, you know, you knew that whoever was in that room was going to be one of the people that was that was under suspicion. Um, and just the way that Argento did that scene, just it always sticks with me. But um, there's a lot of, you know, the, he, he does some cool stuff. I mean, he goes and he goes into the dark room when the one guy's trying to um, uh, uh, enlarge yeah. the, the photo of the guy falling under the train to see if he can get a, a hand uh, in the picture and. Um, and, and the, the thing I really like about Cat and Nine Tails isn't so much that it was like, uh, you never, no one would have ever guessed the killer because there was so many different, um, red herrings and there were so many yeah. different, uh, subplot storylines in that, in that film that you would have never gotten it until you've seen them on, on screen. But what I like about that film is it's fun to watch over and over again once you know it's him and you kind of watch it like imagining what he's doing you know on the scenes that are off screen um and he's he's just uh the whole idea that you know here's this 
scientist again this is huge spoilers and i'm sorry for eric if eric's never seen this film but um here's the scientist who's like you know top of his class um and he was destined for you know uh, greatness within the scientific community and it turns out that he has this rare genetic uh chromosomal disorder which is obviously completely bogus and made up for the film but um that it shows that he has a violent tendency and the whole way that he reacts to the news that he has violent tendencies is to be violent to cover it up so yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic so that's my long-winded answer my my only beef with that guy is that yes he met his demise in an elevator shaft but it was because he got his ass kicked by a blind guy <laughs> like so that's like where i'm on the fence with that guy i'm like well he just got beat up by a blind dude so not that there's anything yeah, wrong with but, that but i mean yeah but uh arno is is definitely uh uh super a little bit more superhuman than than most blind guys in that film especially because he's full of rage from you know finding out that his uh, daughter or adopted daughter might be dead so you know like i i seriously really want to do that movie on the show because i personally i feel like that's probably argento's most underrated work yeah oh absolutely so i <clears throat> i would really enjoy that so yeah that was a good one so i oh, guess don't worry I, I fast forwarded through the show so i didn't hear the spoilers <laughs> dude eric you'll totally like that one you totally yeah. will like that one um okay so my number two um, this might not come as a big surprise to anybody <clears throat> because I'm pretty sure I'm like really one of the only people who actually likes this movie, apparently. But um, the killer from Black Belly of the Tarantula is amazingly awesome. And um, first off, uh, the biggest spoiler here is in order to do what he did and get to where he got, he pretended to be blind for something like 10 fucking years or something. Right. which is awesome but the <laughs> other thing is is like he puts this needle in people's um in between their vertebrae and their neck that makes them paralyzed but totally aware of everything he's doing to him when he kills him it's just like totally gruesome and i just love all the shots yes he wears like the like the yellowish goldish um, surgical gloves so that kind of goes against type but like right. all the shots of his fingers like when he's holding the needle like i just love how he was shot and there were so many great scenes where like when he's killing somebody like how they use his body to block the shot it's just i really 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 enjoyed that killer and the end gets a little weird but between the look and the idea behind it and the motive sucks balls but like the fact that he went to those lengths was really really cool but seriously just like i i have it up on the chow chow page too like in as one of the headers but there's this shot it's one of my favorite shots of his fingers and he's like kind of like rolling the needle in between his fingers with the gloves yep. on fucking love that shot it's just uh that that's really fucking cool and yeah, don't yeah. forget he got to uh, rub barbara boucher's ass oh and he got it he got a <laughs> foot job from her too which was pretty hot fucking hot and stuff dude 
Yeah, I had a bit of a moral crisis with this list because I actually considered that one just because of the method. Um, but with the fact that, you know, that I didn't quite enjoy the film, so I had, the, I had that kind of dilemma that I had to deal with. Dude, I don't know what planet I live on, but when someone says they don't enjoy that movie, I don't understand. <laughs> it just doesn't sink in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just so young and naive back then. Maybe I'll just just need to try it again no nobody likes it apparently <laughs> it's <That's> okay <laughs> yeah i need to go back and watch it i think again. i just i think i'm poison or something but anyway, that was the okay. that when you guys covered that film that was the first time that i had submitted yeah uh, a contribution but i didn't actually sit in on the show so i didn't watch the film again i just basically took from my my little blurb from what i remembered about it and watching it a couple years ago so yeah, you know, it there's might, it might be more things about it, but I think it. I'm sorry, it, it just fades away because what happens in it besides the the foot job, and then the the blind. That I guess that blind thing was kind of kind of sticks out in my memory. Hmm. Yeah, and the catapult. Don't forget the catapult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in that one. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it gets a little more. It's a couple more points. Okay, sorry. What's your number two, Eric? Um, my number two. I guess what I did with this one is I kind of I went back to kind of the what some people consider the beginnings of the Giallo movement, and I went with the killer from Blood and Black Lace. Damn it! <laughs> sorry, bro. No, it's cool. I, you know he. I don't know if he originated the look, but just the idea of wearing the black gloves um, and then the featureless face, I just thought was really cool and kind of haunting in a way. And then uh, the, the kills, the methods in this one were, you know, very... Some people say that Bava was tasked to do this sort of German creamy type film and he wanted to do it his way. And because of the success that he had with Black Sunday in those kind of films, he... He did get to do it his way, and he did get to film these murders very stylishly, and and uh, just the like the shoving the face on the the heater, I think it was, and uh, drowning the girl. He, the killer is not quick and dirty about it. He's just no. he he wants to torture them. Yep, that was actually going to be my number one, and oh really? Um, to add to it, like I dug how there was like. Um, I can't remember the dude's name, but then the chick, his like lover or whatever, was in on it too. Yeah. And it was like that whole like cool like oh shit because like you're watching it and it's like that whole scream thing where like you're going okay which one of these assholes is it? But yeah. it's like oh there's you know so there's that whole thing and then at the end with the whole like like the it's kind of like a triple backstab on the two of them. Yeah. It's just like that movie's really great and it looks amazing. But one of the things that's really cool about it too, is that a lot of the murder scenes are done in like a wide shot. And when you see a lot of these movies, you, a lot of the attacking and all that shit, it's like, you'll see the hand go up and you see the hand come down and it's uh -huh. like a close up of this. But in this one, <clears throat> you'll have this big wide shot. And he grabs the person and they're like rolling around and pulling. It's just, it's like, it's super violent, you know? And yeah. um, I think, I can't remember, I think it was Chris who brought it up, um, the bathroom scene 
being more wait yeah i think it was chris you said the bathroom scene in blood and black lace you felt was more violent than the bathroom scene in case of the bloody iris right um, because he just no, sits there I, I and think, stares or yeah something? i think no i think the point i was making was it, i it, you know the, the bathtub murder is clearly um a, a, a device that's used over and over again in jolly but i i thought that the girl being tied up in case of the bloody iris I saying, yeah um and, and just being conscious and sitting in the tub on her back while and the guy's realizing, just sitting there watching yeah and she's <clears> in the tub you know uh fill up slowly is is kind of disturbing <laughs> for sure yeah for reals yeah didn't mean to derail that train but no, like, that's another movie that I've been kind of... It's like, when we pick the movies and stuff, there are some that I have in my back pocket that I don't want to do right away. Because I want to be able, when we do episode 32 or something like that, we still have some really, like, well-known, fun jally to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, it's really hard to hold back on those because there's like three in Blood and Black Lace is one of them that I've been wanting to do every single fucking time. But <laughs> I keep I keep holding it back. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, I it was the first Giallo film that I covered on 100 Years of Horror. I got to 1964, and um, that was that's a the great one episode, I... by the way. Oh well, you listen. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. If you guys that's, was, that's the amazing part of it too if you think about how far back yeah. um it, th that movie came out you know okay. how 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 early that was compared to you know most of the films of the genre are you're talking about um almost you know eight years later yep. it's it's pretty amazing yeah and that's that's kind of what i gleaned from it when i was doing a little bit more because this was this was my first yellow film quote unquote um Whereas the ones that we've been covering here are more like my fourth and fifth. Because so. on <laughs> that show, far, you but... did Hatchet for the Honeymoon and Deep Red also, right? Yep, I did end up doing those two as well. Um, this one being the first one I did, I, I was researching it and, and kind of what I brought up earlier. It was a lot of the stuff that came from it um, we get to see in the 70s because of the liberties that they gave Bava when he was doing it uh, and letting him do it his way in filming a crime mystery thriller the way that he wanted to do it not the way that you know the germans traditionally did it and, and things like that and i don't know what it is about the color but like that insane i i, I think it might even be eastman color or tech it's i don't know if it's technicolor or eastman color but the processing they did on the color of blood and black lace dude it that movie pops off the screen like nobody's business dude yeah, like yeah, i just love how fake that movie looks <laughs> it's just so fucking cool all right well i suppose we should keep the train that just got derailed rolling that was my fault i'm the derailer choo -choo. And, uh, head over to chris's number two pick <laughs> okay yep. my number two pick all right uh what was it okay we're going to uh i hate to say it but i've got another argento killer here um don't hate and this is one of my favorite killers it's one of my favorite uh films in the genre it is marta from deep red mm. or profundo rosso 
That's awesome. Are you laughing? At, are you laughing at my pronunciation? Or no, just hate I, I actually um, enjoyed your pronunciation quite well. Okay. <laughs> now the reason I picked Marta is uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, I really think that it's cool when they have female killers, um, and that's just really the beginning of my admiration for Marta. But um, I think that one of the coolest things about this killer is that her murder sequences are so creative what she decides to do uh to get rid of these people you've got um helga with the butcher's knife um and then uh let's see the next murder i'm trying to remember i've seen this film so many times the next murder in the in the sequence is the woman who wrote the book about the folklore and she gets scalded to death in the bathtub um and then after her is Oh, and the whole scene where she's stalking um, Mark Daly while he's playing the piano. Yeah. And she's she's climbs over the ceiling and comes back down, and then she, and then you know he's paying attention, or he you know he knows what's going on, but he's he's pretending that he doesn't. And then they have that scene where he the phone rings and he runs over and closes the door, and she starts whispering to him through the door. Um, and she's just she you know uh, the other guy who gets his head smashed into the um that that marble coffee table several times and then gets the knife in the back of the neck when Argento puts the point of view camera right on the angle of the of the knife um you know those are all well they're all well orchestrated uh murders and um she's just you know obviously she's wacky she's a whack job and she's she's very she's got this fetish going on with all these little you know the dolls and the yarn and the and the needles that are sticking in the voodoo dolls and these black gloves with the zippers on them and um, the whole backstory of you know that you know she you know came out of retirement just because somebody figured out that she was a killer. I was just um, gonna say the best part of that is that the psychic chick on accident sees what happened right. like years and years and years ago. So now she's got to come back. Like that's probably to me like the best part of that movie. Yeah, because she was she was kind of in hibernation, but you know the, all those uh, all those psychic energies came back, and then of course we can't forget about the fact that you know she's got the son who's trying to protect her, um, and his demise is pretty awesome too, even though he doesn't get killed; it's just an accidental thing. And then of course her ultimate demise with the elevator and the uh, chain around the neck. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's like a greatest hits of, of, of killer stuff. So, um, and, and interestingly, not my number one, but could have definitely been number one if I didn't think if, if I if I had to kind of impulsively pick a number one, it would have been Marta. But when I thought about it for a little while, I have a number one that I like better. Plus, dun, dun, for, dun. for fans of Billy the Puppet from Saw, she was she introduced the first Billy the Puppet. Although I don't know if that's the name of the doll, but oh, like the little uh, the little guy who comes running in and then yeah gets his head hit yeah hit on the, with the with the the knife or whatever. See, that's yeah. one of those things that that was probably the most disturbing part of the whole movie. But like after you watch it, you're like, there <clears throat> wasn't a whole lot of reason for that. And then second, like, <laughs> how the fuck did that chick orchestrate that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like that's some pretty hardcore shit. <laughs> like you, you know, Jigsaw and Saw, he had time to like 
manufacture this weird well, doll riding it on a bike. Crazy shit. But yeah, this Marta, I don't know how she got this, which was able to, you know, assemble this. I have a feeling that Deep Red is going to come in on a lot of these lists that we do. Yeah. We're going to be talking about it quite a lot, probably. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's There's so many things from it. So, so many different paths or avenues you can take. And top three lists you could manufacture from it. Especially if we do a top three of worst um, romantic liaisons in a movie. <laughs> this, that'll be my number one. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Worst okay. yet somehow funniest. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, um, Eric, why don't you uh, go ahead and do your number one? Since your That's number right, two took my number one. We combined, you know. All right, then my number one is the New York Ripper. Oh, that's, that's just what I'm going to call him because I don't, I can't remember his name. That's but so funny. That's just awesome, how, Was that your just number one? Did I steal another it's one? It's, no, it's not my number one, but okay. I was thinking about your Gripper as being one of the killers on my list, and I thought better of it because uh, it's so damn disturbing to even associate yourself with that killer. I seriously, <laughs> that was in my top ten when I started putting this together. Let alone he's at my number one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but, he's saying something about you, Eric, so continue. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I don't know, maybe this says even more about me, but it's it's less about the uh, malicious and unforgiving ways that he carved people up with a razor blade and more about the fact that he quacked like a duck. Right. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no. In all seriousness, though, it's just, yeah, just just such a memorable killer. I mean, it's it was a video nasty for a reason. Um, I don't know what. I'm going to ask a question here that's kind of off topic. There is a adult star that does a certain type of um, oral film. And when she does it, she sounds like the killer from the New York Ripper. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? (laughs) And I can give you her name too, which which makes it even sadder. Her last name is one of the seasons of the year. Is that the one you're thinking of? Um, I thought it was something that happens during one of the seasons of the year. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, yeah we're both total dirtbags. We both know. And, and my, clue was just, uh, my clue was just inaccurate. I'm sorry. Uh, and you're both fathers, and I'm, I'm the... How do you think we got to be fathers? <laughs> That's true. Wait, that's how that that's how babies are made. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> how it works, dude. Oh, but um, Aurora Snow is that right? Aurora Snow, yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was a lot of fun. So um, yeah. What else, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? Yeah, Aurora Snow, not in this movie, but there are a lot of um bear i mean you could talk about the bear women in this movie but then you also have to talk about how they get their nipples sliced with razors and um yeah this killer just doesn't let up and i guess maybe i could could consider this one of the first giallo films that i watched but i didn't know that's what it was at the time right so I, i didn't really pay attention to the conventions and all that stuff but 
just thinking about it because he left such an impression in my mind. That's that's why he's all the way at the top of the list. What's that? The, this, the theme for that is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And the dog at the beginning, priceless. <laughs> Classic whole <laughs> cheat. Take it. All Take right. it. <laughs> You're such a good girl. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your number one, Chris? Okay, so my number one, brr, drum roll, please. Um, a little bit obscure, not really, and I'm going to say spoiler alert a thousand times. The washing machine from the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it is. It's the washing machine. It's, it's, so the box, it's the box of Tide from the washing machine. Um, no, um, we haven't covered this on the show, so I'm probably going to spoil something for at least one of you, if not both. It is the killer from... The Case of the Scorpion's Tale, and his name is uh, Peter Lynch, played by George Hilton. And he's my favorite killer. Really? He's my number one. And the reason why I picked him as number one is because he actually plays the amateur detective and the killer in the same movie. Not two different characters, but... He pretends to be the amateur detective looking for the killer when really he is the killer. And there are so many awesome scenes where they just divert suspicion from him because of the way that, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of the way that the scenes are shot together and that, you know, you, you don't realize that extra time has passed and things have happened that allow him to go and manipulate, you know, his actions, um, the way that things are cut together in the film. Um, and then there's other situations where he actually has somebody helping him, uh, which throws suspicion off of him. But um, he gets to hang out with Anita Strangeberger uh, through most of the film. And she actually looks good in this film um, compared to how she looks in Your Vice is a Locked Room, which yeah. she looks like a skeleton in that film. Um, with a bad And um, yeah, and it's, it's, I just, it's such a, it's, he, he's like one of the coolest guys. He's just, He's cool as a cucumber all the way to the end, and um, there's even a scene where he's outside of um, the girl's room that he's about to kill, and he's got a stocking over his face, um, which makes it fantastic. And if you look at the website um, for Jalo Score, um, the background header image uh, is a still from that film, where um, it's just the, the camera that. Uh, camera shot pointing up at the killer's face which really is just obscured by shadow and all you see is the black love and the glinting um, switchblade and the hat um, and that's from that's from Case of the Scorpion's Tale so um, I just thought it was so cool that they decided to have the guy that you were rooting for because he was trying to catch the killer and eventually you figure out, you know what, it's really him. <laughs> See, the thing with that is because um, <clears throat> that is like uh, lizard and woman's skin. And right. with the George Hilton angle on it, I was like wanting to go with um, your vice, or, uh, damn it, strange vice of Mrs. Ward. Right. But that was like so confusing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because like. There's actually like two two killers there's in that film. three right or yeah, there's two and an accomplice 
Yep. But it's it's just like that whole and I think that movie or was it this one? I think that movie was the movie that kind of ruined George Hilton for me in the sense that whenever I see him in something, I don't trust him at all. Right. <laughs> I'm like he's probably in on it. <laughs> Well, and that's it, that's a good segue into the film that we're about to cover. Yeah, that, because he's, excellent. He's, he's kind of an ambiguous character in this film. Yeah, totally. And I have some fucking questions that we'll get into on that. Oh yeah. So if you guys um, like our list or have a list that you oh wait we have to go ding a ling a ling a ling a ling ding a ling a ling a ling a ling a ling. Okay, so just play the trailer. Well, I was just going to say, if you guys have a better list or if you want to talk about our list, go to the group and um, converse about it. So there here, is no better There is no better list. <laughs> there is no better list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, here is the trailer for... Um, I, on the last show, I played the trailer for... Um, they're coming to get you. So I'm going to try to find a trailer for just all the colors of the dark and see if I could mix it up a little bit here. So some sort of trailer for this film will play right now. You have crossed every barrier to reality. You are beyond its limits. And you'll never see it again. They're coming to get you. 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 Someone is after me. Someone from my past. From something that happened in my childhood. Do believe in this sort of thing. All that and much more. They exist. They're coming to get you. They bear the mark of the devil inside them. They're coming to get you. herself. Free her from fear. Drink this and you will be free. Take charge of the girl. Are you prepared for the motion picture that proves they're coming to get you from Independent International? 
you cannot possibly renounce us. And now it's done. So I hope wow. you like that. That was a good choice. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you went with that you one. Found that yeah. really fast. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <clears throat> oh man. So um. So yeah. So uh, this was uh, Chris's pick, right? Yeah. Dude, it's like sure it was. It's like Christmas here. It's Chris night. Yeah. Yeah. You're picking everything. I didn't miss. <laughs> oh wait. You know what time it is? I forgot. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Get it out, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what's funny? I, we were watching this again today, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if they have any J&B in this movie. And then there's, oh, yeah. there's two scenes where it looks like a fucking ad out of a magazine. It's like <laughs> a super close-up shot on the table. Here is my J&B. Drink up, friends. You're about to get killed. So, but, um, but the film also has the most epic J&B shot, which is the one that shot through the fireplace. There were a lot of cool shots through things yep. in this movie. I agree. Okay, so take it, Chris. Okay, so All the Colors of the Dark. Oh, my God. Uh, known so in uh, the U.S. as They're Coming to Get You. Barbara. Barbara. No, without the Barbara. Um so it's directed by Sergio Martino. We Yay. know Sergio Martino, obviously. He's a, a prolific contributor to this genre. This is his third giallo uh, in succession, uh, chronologically. The first being uh, um, Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, uh, also known as um, Next, or The Next Victim, or I think there's another name for that. Um his second giallo was the case of the scorpion's tail, which we just got done talking about. Um, and now this one after this was, I believe your vice is a locked room and then torso. Uh, so, um, he's kind of very prolific. I mean, if you compare him to Argento and if you want to consider that, that, you know, the time period in which these films were in their heyday were somewhere between 70 and 75, um, He's got the same number of films as Argento because Argento did his Animal Trilogy um, and then uh, Deep Red. Actually, no. So that would be four for Argento and five for Martino. I anyway. think um, Umberto Lindsay is the only one that did more than him. Oh, yeah, that's true. The unsung hero of the genre. <laughs> no one ever talks about Lindsay, but he, he did the most work. Um, except for Eyeball. We don't talk about that. Shut the fuck um, <laughs> And Spasmo, that's another weird one. Um, so uh, this particular film is a diversion from the norm, from the convention of most uh, Jolly, in that it is a little bit more on the psychological side of things, but it's also bring it also brings in, for the first time, at least for the first time in most of these popular, the more popular films, uh, this occult supernatural aspect, uh, which... Uh, which, which, which got a raspberry just for mentioning it. That's God, great. Eric, you need to chill the fuck out. Let Chris finish. <laughs> no, but it's, what is interesting, <laughs> what's interesting is um, that Martino, his first uh, giallo, um, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, was kind of a psychological thriller. And then Scorpion's Tale is really a conventional giallo. And then All, All the Colors of the Dark is kind of back to this 
psychological thing. And I think obviously the common thread here is Edwidge and the her ability to kind of portray this kind of uh, damn, you know, this uh, heroine slash damsel in distress who's psychologically tortured and um, is kind of losing touch with reality. Um, so I do, uh, I do prefer, um, these two over Scorpion's Tale, although Scorpion's Tale is a good film. Uh, it's just that Edwidge is just, you know, Amazing. she's off the charts. She's off the charts in this one for sure. Um, besides Edwidge who plays Jane, uh, we have George Hilton who plays Richard, her common law husband. They're not exactly married. Um, we have Ivan Rosimov who plays... Uh, eventually, he's revealed as somebody named Mark something, I think. Yeah. Uh, but he's basically the blue-eyed killer. Um, we he's have awesome. Susan Scott, the um, the, the butthole the face, walk, butthole, uh, <laughs> who plays uh, uh, Jane's sister, uh, Barbara. We have Julian Ugart, who plays the uh, head of the cult, and then we have Marina Malfatti, who plays. Um, Whatever that girl's name is. The, Mary. The, Mary, there what you go. What else was she in? I don't know. She looks familiar, though. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find out by the end of the show. <clears throat> and I didn't... No, I didn't do the uh, associations that well. And then, of course, our good pal, George. Our good pal. Yeah. Regard. I thought you were going to forget him. I know. I did see so, I got scared. <laughs> I have him on the end, because he's last but not least. Featuring... And, yeah, and funny enough, he plays a psychologist, which he also played in uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, so that's interesting. <laughs> uh, the head writer for this um, film was uh, Ernesto Gastaldi, who we've seen many, many times. Yeah. He's had He has some collaborators here, but he wrote the screenplay. And um, the fantastic uh, musical score by Bruno Nicolai, um, which uh, I can't get enough of i can listen to it all day long yeah. it's fantastic um so it's gonna help um, the show I, out a lot well say that again say that it's again. gonna help the show out a lot to be fair oh, though yeah. i don't like the music during the occult scenes oh that's my favorite really that's my oh. favorite too yeah oh wow okay well the kind of more spaghetti westernish yeah yeah it reminds me of it reminds me of spaghetti western meets like hair <laughs> it's really odd there's a lot of um, that in this movie too there's a lot of that that's for sure I wish there was so um, basically the plot um, the, the, the funny part about this film is that there is a very basic plot that's very easy to understand and then there's all the stuff that goes along with how the plot moves along which is really difficult to understand or at least which is difficult to believe um, because it's just, it's one of the, the suspense disbelief kind of films. They, we know that we all jolly are like this, but this one's really off the charts. Um, I should probably mention Jalo score first, um, because it's my website and why I can't, why shouldn't I plug it? Um, especially Except since you can't find it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, it got a, it got a low score. <laughs> uh, no, it, was, it wasn't that I couldn't find it. It was just that my internet decided not to react fast enough. Um, yes. So it got a 56. Um, and clearly this is because we don't really have this, you know, black gloved killer, um, 
multiple victims and an amateur detective. We really have a whole bunch of um, stuff going on in this film that's really... Um, <clears throat> the, the way that I analyzed it for the site was that, you know, there are th three or four different people that kind of take on the role of the killer in different aspects. So I basically used all three of their action, all, all three of them to combine their actions into trying to get the score as, as high as I could. Um, but we'll go into that later. Because um, in actuality, oh wait, I, if we're going to go into that later, let's go into that later. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so I mean, just basically the plot here, um, Jane is uh, suffering from nightmares um, that revolve around two incidences in her, two incidents in her life the, the the murder of her mother as well as the miscarriage that she had when she and Richard um, got in a car accident um, so Richard is trying to cure her with his vitamin pills that are they look like egg dye uh, tablets or eggs yeah or eggs yep <clears throat> just so, just real quick, so we know, his name is actually Richard Steele, Dick Steele, in the film. Wait, That's his Dick name. Steele. So, Dick Steele. What did Dick Steele do next? <laughs> uh, and then, um, conversely, uh, Jane's sister, um, Barbara, who is the secretary in a psychologist's office, has and convinced butthole her face. Butthole face. Yeah who has convinced um, Jane that um, to get rid of these problems, she needs to go and have some psychotherapy. So um, that's really uh, the, the basic plot. And what ends up happening is that instead of the vitamin pills and instead of the psychologist, or kind of in spite of both of these methods, um, Jane decides to befriend a woman who is in a satanic cult. And the satanic cult is promising to rid her of these um, problems. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, um, she's being kind of stalked by this blue-eyed killer who appears in her dreams, but also appears in real life. Um, <clears throat> and uh, there's a, a lot of really awesome tension sequences re revolving around uh, this uh, character stalking Jane yeah. in the train. Uh, there's a scene where um, she's outside the solicitor's office and the car won't start. Uh, there's a scene where she's being chased by the dogs. There's a scene where um, she's been moved to this country house and wakes up and uh, the, the people who are hosting her there have been murdered. And um, So there's, there's a lot of tension in the film. There's a lot of um, stock sequences that I, I found really um, fun to watch. And... Um, you know, we can talk about we, we can we can move on to starting to, to discuss the film at any point well, in the film. But I think that, um, you know, it, it's important, probably most important to talk about um, how this film really doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't know if it wasn't supposed to make sense on purpose because we're supposed to kind of feel as if. Um, we're experiencing what Jane's going through. And the, the thing that I took a, away from this film more than anything is um, there's almost never a scene without Jane in the scene. And so all the events that kind of unfold for the viewer are unfolding at the same pace as they do for Jane. And we really don't know what's real and what's not real. Um, and, and so I, I think that's kind of the mood. And, and that 
to a lesser extent is done in the strange vice of mrs ward as well yeah uh, but i think i think that uh martina really did it to the hilt with this one so um it, it is it is a kooky film um and it's a lot of fun to watch um if you try to put, <laughs> if you try to watch it with any kind of a, let me kind of piece all this together and get some logic out of it. it it'll probably be frustrating. So yeah. I, mm, I, I guess we'll hit that in a minute. Um, but <clears throat> this movie for me, right off the bat, is probably my least favorite movie that has Edwidge in it, and not because she doesn't look amazing, but because. It is kind of a clusterfuck of shit. It's a little bit too long. And with her being on screen as much as she is, the fact that she only has, like, one really cool coat is really annoying. Like, she, she should... Show, she doesn't show her boobs enough, either. <clears throat> well, it's she... travesty. Well, let, let's talk... Look, I can't believe we're gonna go this right off the bat, but you brought up boobs. Have you noticed how dark her nipples are in this movie compared to every <laughs> other movie she's done? Yeah. They are, like, dark. Now, here's the thing. Um, Did they do something in post? No. Like hand paint each one? <laughs> well, no. Like, here's the thing. Because women's nipples get darker when they get pregnant. Okay? Yeah, so, okay. I'm wondering if she... I, I didn't know if she actually had a kid in between the previous movie and that movie. Or if the whole thing with where she was having a stillborn um, or a miscarriage or whatever... If that was like something that they were doing to kind of help piece that together in some weird way, but yeah, it's just I like even in the later movies, her nipples aren't that dark. Like her nipples are like fucking dark in this movie, dude. That was the first thing that jumped out at me about this movie, like hands first. down, the the very first thing, very first thing, because she gets <laughs> like there's the amazing opening credits which I love. This is one of my favorite opening credit sequences where it's like yep. one static shot as it turns to night. I fucking yeah. love no it. Music. Love it, love it, love it. The dream sequence right out of that was fucking insane. And then she wakes up and then goes and gets in the shower with her shirt on yep. like someone would. Apparently she does. And you could see the nipples to her shirt. I'm like, wow, those are some dark nipples right there. And then when she takes <laughs> her shirt off and she's in bed... I was like, whoa, Areola, those things are bigger than they normally are, and they're super dark. So I was just, like, confused. And the first time I saw this movie, I was just expecting to get Miss Ward all over again, and I didn't, and so I was a little pissed off. So um, I watched it today with my son. My son's staying with me right now. And I watched it with him today, and... Um, he, like he's never seen a Jalo film before <clears throat> and so he was just like kind of like oh, okay oh the best thing he said through the whole thing was um after her first visit to the cult he's like i don't think that cult's gonna help her very much <laughs> <laughs> but um but no say the darndest they things. do but the thing, uh, and he's 20, by the way, so it's not like I'm like putting an eight-year-old in front of titties or anything. But um, back to this part. Like, the first time I watched it, I w was expecting a Jalo. And then I read a little bit more about it, and I noticed that um, there were quite a few things saying that this came out in the wake of Rosemary's Baby. And they were trying to kind of play with that. And so... 
the second time I watched it, I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, okay, so is this like Rosemary's Baby in the sense that... Because you know when um, George Hilton walks out of the building and he looks up at Mary and they, sh- right, yes. they share a glance? I'm like, oh, okay, so all the people in the building are in on it and they're all in with the cult. And I just started like putting all of this shit together. I'm like, Oh, and she got an accident and they took her baby, her baby Satan. And she doesn't know it. And And I just started like piecing all this stuff together. I'm like, wait a second. I've seen this movie and I don't remember any of this. So let me put this together again. But, um, that was like, this movie is hard to sit through kind of. And it's also funny, too, because it has a lot of um, the Martino regulars in it. So right when the movie started, um, I'm watching it, and then I'm like, wait a second. She's supposed to be in the rain having mean sex with Ivan Rossoff, and it's supposed (laughs) to be in slow motion. What the fuck's going on? And then it took me a minute. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Miss Ward. (laughs) It's the wrong movie. Yeah, I totally. I'm like, wait a second. Did I get up and get a cup of coffee? That seems way longer than that. What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> so um, there's that. But this movie did have something that I notice in movies. Because um, remember when we did uh, What Have They Done to Solange? I said um, there was a lot of blue. And I was wondering if that was like a stylist a stylistic thing they were doing but this also takes place in london and there's a ton of blue in this movie and when it's in the movie it's usually um i talked to some uk people and they're like yeah blue and i think eric even said it that blue is a royal color and all this other shit but um it they match the blue with a lot of really disgusting colors that it shouldn't match with like in Barbara's apartment there's this lamp that's blue and red and it's just like an eyesore and then um, when they're sitting down and eating at the beginning of the movie she's wearing this like uh, Edwidge is wearing this like avocado green shirt with a bright blue collar and like an orange strip for the buttons it's just and then when they're in the fucking pub there's the waiter that walks up with a fucking jacket with bright blue sleeves and a gold vest holy shit that was just out of control but they're the, the, the gaudy yeah the the blue in this movie was weird and like the blue with the pills there was just there was a lot of weird blue and the nails on freaking commander spin around i'm the head of a cult um <laughs> his uh, his press his, on nails yeah they were blue it was, there was just i don't know there was just a lot of blue and it 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 pulled me out of the story sometimes because it always looked out of place but that's like some yeah. OCD thing I'm sorry continue yeah I, I, I can honestly say I didn't notice that at all did you notice the nipples please tell me I'm not yeah yeah nipples. I did I did yep, I did notice it in the thing. shower or, yep the uh, the white nightgown just uh she just happened to be wearing white of course she was taking that cold shower those but... things were dark yeah. I like the scene where um where uh, George Hilton's character kind of rubs his hand uh, down from her shoulder down to her down to like, over her butt down to her, her feet. That's that was a really good, uh, really excellently shot scene. The one thing you can't argue with this movie is that it is shot amazingly, especially for 
the locations that they had because like that first scene when she sits up in bed like they're having sex and then she freaks out and then the camera pulls back really quick and you get the first real like wide glimpse of their London flat or whatever that looked great and the fucking apartment block when they show those giant wide shots of the buildings all together that I mean there were so many great great shots at the staircase now let me ask you this none of these staircases are technically spiral do you give points for this yeah yeah if, if, if the if the staircase is in, in any way circular it gets a point but it's rectangular and, and there only really needs to be one and there was at least three in in this film but so they if it's a ranch. staircase that continues going up across each well, wall. don't all staircases go up eventually I see what you're saying. If you, if you have yeah. to turn four corners to get to the next floor, I call exactly. that a spiral staircase. Okay, well, just so you know, there's no corners on a circle. So. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. Getting a so, geometry exam here. Right? But there was just, there was so many, for it being in London, and I know our UK listeners might get mad at me for saying this, but for being in London, this was very stylish compared to most of the films that they go over to England yeah, to make. That's like, true. Even um, the shots of the, the Gothic mansion. Yeah. Even though they went out into the rural landscapes and weren't in the urban stuff anymore. That was really cool. There was yep. the one place she went to where the <clears throat> the goat head skull came down the steps or whatever. But I mean you had like um, a rectangular spiral staircase. You had fucking black and white checker tile floors. You had a mahogany banister. It was like, holy fuck holes. Like, this place has it all, dude. Like, that was some cool shit. And then her, like, little fucking pale blue mini with the red interior. Damn. That's some shit right there, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yep. The, the only fashionable cool. thing I put down was Mary's plunging neckline. Right, dude. It looked like you could I... ski solemn on those things, dude. Yeah. Wow, that was she hot. Like, she was like wearing the choker too, right? Yeah, that big choker. Like they covered her whole fucking neck. I thought for maybe kinda... she was a tranny for a second there, yeah. inside an Adam's apple. It, it kind of oh did God. the like a I don't know. It was kind of multi-dimensional because it it gave me the the impression that she, there was something sinister about her because of this odd choice of clothing she's wearing totally she's trying to seduce and totally off topic this is horrible that i'm gonna derail the show right now but i have to just because i haven't told anyone this story yet on my way to sioux falls on the airplane there was this stewardess who had this like kind of crazy short hairdo and it was like dyed kind of funny and she was probably in her late 50s early 60s and she had a fucking thing tied around her neck. And she came by, and I noticed that her like her hand swung by, and I'm like, well, she's got a big fucking hand. And then I'm like, wait a second. And so the whole three-hour flight, every time she walked by, I'm staring at her to see if I could see if she's a dude or not. <laughs> her hands were a little bit bigger, but like all the stewardesses wear those fucking like necktie scarf things. Yeah. Right? And so I kept trying to engage her in conversation to see if I could hear her voice dip or anything like that. And I just, at the end of the day, I could not decide 
it was it was totally inconclusive just like mary in all the colors of the dark see how i brought it back there wait awesome. what's inclu- what's inconclusive about her that she's a tranny yes oh I, so are you saying i walked out of there not knowing <laughs> oh okay she had big legs <laughs> too yeah but you know many did her face look like a butthole <clears throat> no, her face looked like a very normal face. But since we're talking about butthole face, she yeah. her face changed like three fucking times in this movie. Did you guys notice that? I think it's all about the hair. Yeah, I think it's the hair. Like too. when she pulls her hair back really tight, it makes her face look like a tighter butthole. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> well, I guess I just set you up for that one. But yeah, she looked a little more uptight with the hair back. And then down, she looked a little more presentable. To the male audience okay well since we are totally ruining this movie completely um did we all think george hilton was in on it the whole time i thought there was a history between him and barbara obviously because she was undressing in front of him but i didn't i know you you guys are creep you're saying you're, you don't trust him i never anymore, trust but him but i always I, trust him yeah, I I wanted to trust him, but then I've come to learn that the most trustworthy are the least in the end. So I always kind of had a my eye turned on him, but I was more or less looking at Burton, that damn George Rajard, or Rajard, how do you say his name? You thought he was... Well, see, now, Chris, let's talk about the whole killer angle. You were saying you wanted to talk about that. Right, okay. So... It's hard. It was hard for me to score um, this the film for my site because uh, the only the people who kill people in this movie are our heroes. That's true. Right. So you've got you've got the motivation for monetary gain, right? Um, and that's Barbara. But that so doesn't she, show up until the very fucking end after she's already end. dead. It was almost right. like an afterthought because they were sitting there. And like they're like, hey, you forgot to come see me, and like the audience is going, fuck, we forgot you existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Creepy solicitor. Yeah, and I thought that was a great um, kind of misdirection kind of thing where, you know, it's like the, you know, this phone call comes and it's it's totally um, put, you know, just totally disregarded because the, all this other stuff is going on with this blue-eyed guy chasing her around, and then when she finally goes to meet the solicitor. The only person that can be found is, again, the guy stalking her. So he basically... Yeah, I totally thought he set him up. Set him up, right. Um, But, you know, in order to score the film and say that the killer had a motivation, and again, this is one of those films where, you know, who is the killer? Uh, But but the motivation kind of came down to money. So that's... And and that's attributed to Barbara. But... um, there are, the murders that take place um, are by Richard, but of course, you know the, the two the two uh, old people in the country house. I, I would assume that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue eye, like I killed them, and then. Um, well, did we I didn't write? see Richard, so maybe he was out at the cottage. No, Good that old would be Dick a plot hole. Oh, and then don't forget the um, the, the psych the psychologist yeah, was killed. You're right too. Or he had a heart um, attack and went head first on the steering wheel. Or just forgot how to honk a horn. 
We didn't see it, so can't pass judgment on good old blue eyes. Well, it's just like, why yeah, the so... fuck did it take him an hour and a half to start killing motherfuckers? I understand, I guess, but that just like irked me a little bit. But that's not what the yeah. movie is about, so continue. Well, and then, you know, when you get to the end, um, the film kind of ends on this anticlimactic climatic note of you know okay well you know the bad guys are, are all dead um but now we're dealing with a few other things that have been left um kind of uh, you know left un 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 are you talking unresolved. about edwidge's freaking like confession or whatever at the end of the on the rooftop well, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, the thing that we learn or that we're kind of supposed to infer from from the, the final scenes is that uh, she has some sort of a uh, kind of vision uh, or psychic vision kind of talent where she knows what things are going to happen um, when they happen or before they happen. Um, the other thing that we find out is that she knows that Richard killed her sister. But she always knew. Uh, but she had a dream about it. Um, and then, so, and, and then we really don't know, um, if at the very end, if Richard really is the good guy and maybe he had a hand in all of this and he's just faking it. And now that he's killed her sister, um, you know, what's going to happen to Jane now that, you know, he knows that she knows that he killed her sister so well she apparently didn't care she said i know you did it and i'm more worried about me and what's wrong with me and blah 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 last thing he said when he was happy is that he wants to go by buckingham palace yeah so, he was double dipping yeah i think he's gonna, he's gonna wait win no matter what he's gonna wait for them to get married and then whack her but if she's really that good of a psychic she should see it coming beforehand or or he could just commit her to some kind of home, some institution. Oh, yeah. He should but marry I... her first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the other big question that I wrote down is, you know, where does where does the cult stop and the scam start? Like, there are yeah. all these people that are supposedly in the cult, but we find out at the end that the cult is really just a, a, a front for a drug ring. But it's clear that some of the people that are involved in the cult really think it's legitimate. And then, you know, so which, which members of the cult, like when they were doing the slideshow at the very end, there were some people that I didn't even recognize. Did they say like there it, was like a suicide of them or something like that? Well, uh, I know I think that they, they just said Barbara. They, they said they that they found some committed. bodies. Yeah. And Barbara was well, one of true. the bodies. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's it makes me think of like um, you know the Heaven's Gate yeah. people or or um, the Waco people or the or the uh, what was the one down in South America the the big one with Jim the, Jones the, dude yeah 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 um, George Jones George Jones <laughs> <laughs> the one show he shows up to yeah <clears throat> so yeah it's it's Stay hard from that guy. it's hard to it when you start to th- think about that and go back and, and analyze the main characters it starts to get frustrating because you know is barbara is basically saying you know that you know her mother was in the cult and they have this long lineage and all this other stuff but 
you know, if the cops are saying, okay, well, the main guy and the blue-eyed guy and Barbara, they were all in on this kind of drug uh, drug scam, uh, or this, you know, and the and the cult was just a front. And so, were they you know, doing all this just because Barbara knew that Jane was gonna get half the money she was gonna get? Right. It seems a little bit far-fetched that they would go through all of this just to drive Jane crazy to get. Three hundred thousand extra dollars. Yeah, because she would have to pay her. those motherfuckers off anyway, right? Right. So it's kind of like the, the cult did exist, and people were serious about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was led by this guy who probably maybe didn't really believe in it after all, but just wanted to use it as, you know, because he's, you know, he was a, some sort of megalomaniac or something. Who knows? Now, my other question is, is that. Um, they said the killer of her mother left her the money, right? Yeah, and why the hell would that happen? I don't know, but was the killer of her mother the father of the blue-eyed guy? Is that why no, he, when they showed him in her dreams, he looked all old? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm, I, I'm wondering if it's just that she had maybe had been seeing this guy stalking her and so he showed up in the dream as the guy who killed her mother so i'm not convinced that she actually witnessed the murder of her mom um i think that maybe you know she started getting stalked by uh the blue-eyed guy and now he just kind of was he, he started to appear in her dreams because you know she he's familiar to her now and, and as as a threatening as a threatening figure but, you know, as far as what are the circumstances surrounding I killed your mom and now here's all some here's a bunch of money. Is it like, oh, he went to prison and now he feels sorry. And is that how it worked? Or maybe it was because of this whole cult thing that well, they really were involved in it. And yeah, that's what I thought. The like way the mother I thought, was a part of the cult. The way I thought, too, was if that was this, if the dad of Blue Eyes was the one that killed her that could be a reason why he was involved trying to drive her crazy because he wasn't getting any of the money. But is that just me putting too much into it, you think? I might. Well, I mean, we're all, we all got to stretch a little bit to try to get, get to the point of this. But like Chris was saying, he prefaced this with, it's it's not a movie to try to weave a plot from, really. It's kind of Yeah, I mean, you can stretch it regard. as much as you want because the whole thing yeah. is a stretch to begin with, so... Well, there were there were a lot of great like aerial, not aerial scenes, but shots Areola? from up high. Yeah, aerial shots. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, not because of what happens in it, but how it looks, is when um, Dick Steele is in Butthole Face's apartment um, the second time, and the camera pans by the beaded curtain and like stays on it, and then focuses on her in the bathroom and then she's like who's there and he stands up behind it oh my god that fucking that was so fucking cool to look at and he did he, he like blow smoke through the yeah through the he curtain. fucking did and then they were shooting through the curtain on both sides for a minute until he walked through it it was just that was really really cool and i don't know how the hell she let him put his hands on the gun she was holding and turn it to her and then she pulled the trigger. That was no, a little strange. I think, he had a different I think gun. What, I think, yeah, I think he had his own gun. 
That's what I got. They all have guns over in Italy, don't they? He, he brought a gun, and he was prepared to shoot her, and he knew that she was going to kind of finger her own gun behind uh, So the butthole back. was going to finger what? The butthole was going to finger her own gun. Yeah, you, you need to bring a gun to a butthole fight. That is for sure. Right. Um, did you really think she looked like a butthole right, in this one? This episode. She looked a little stretchy. I think eventually we're going to have to do forbidden photos just so we could all look at her tight butthole face. But um, honestly, Maybe that's why I missed so much of the plot because you were I was trying to scrutinize her face so much. <laughs> the thing that was probably most offensive to me is that they were trying to pawn her off as fucking Jane's sister. Yeah. That was offensive to me. She looks, she looks like Edwidge. If that's what Edwidge's butthole looks like, because that's one part of her I haven't definitely seen yet. But, um, so there's all that fun stuff. There is one, I talk about the cinematography in this movie being so good and all this shit. There is one scene, though, that they break a cardinal rule, and um, I don't know how I feel about it. Have you guys ever heard of the term breaking the 180? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's definitely. a scene where they're sitting on a bench, her and Mary, and it's nighttime and they're talking. And um, the camera's kind of fluid going back on both of them, you know, a little bit. And then when it starts breaking into the over-the-shoulder close-ups of each person, they start it on the other side which you're not supposed to do because it jars the attention of the viewer or whatever. I typically usually don't care about rules, but because this movie looked so good and they did so many things right, I was shocked that they did this. And then when it cut to Edwidge, it was on the other side of the girl's shoulder looking at her. And then when it cut back to Mary, it was on her other sh- on Edwidge's other shoulder looking at her. So it was constantly on the wrong side. And it had to have been something done purposefully because, like, that's just a really hard thing to screw up for that long of a period of time. But I just, I don't understand, like, what the motivation was, with the exception of maybe he wanted to make sure people paid attention to the plot points that were given right there. But all that did was make me completely forget what they were talking about and notice that the camera was on the wrong side of the shoulder but right. has that rule been in existence for i mean obviously it's been a it's for it's a, a really long film, time but... yeah there's this there's this one japanese movie where they toy with it where they have um you have this conversation between this man and a woman and they're talking and you're assuming that they're looking at one another talking. And then when you see the wide shot, they're both standing side by side, looking out a window and you're like, Whoa, yeah, that's, that's, like what the fuck that's is that? That's a really old one, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, um, okay. that's just one of those things that I just, I, I felt, I just found it really, really weird. Yeah. And I didn't like the dog thing. I thought that was a oh, little yeah. over the top. And I think more because the dog, I obviously he didn't kill the dog, but I think the dog was the one he was holding was real. Freaked out. 
and he was holding its mouth while the blood was pouring out of his fingers. Yep. And I'm I thought that was just like way too much. Yeah. Yeah, it was I don't know how to to describe it, but I don't want to say it's Fulci esque because that's kind of a cheap way out, but, but it was very disturbing and kind of unnecessary. But at the same time it's a satanic cult, so maybe they couldn't get a hold of a goat, so that that was the next best thing, but it was not easy to watch for animal lovers and it, it was very, it did have me questioning, is what's going on with that dog? Because I know this was, you know, filmed at a time when they, I mean, obviously they brought people to court for animal cruelty and stuff like that in films, but at the same time, they didn't really have that disclaimer on films that no animals were harmed, you know? Yeah. So I, I didn't know. I was actually trying to figure out, I was looking kind of closely at that poor dog and like, what's going on? Hmm. One of my favorite looking shots, though, um, is the shot of her boots when she's um, being stalked by the dude and she's walking through the leaves next to the water. Yeah. Oh, that shot is so fucking amazing. I love that. But, I really enjoyed the, the subway train. Oh, that was great. The lights kept going out, and I was watching it in, in a dark... In my basement, I had all the lights off, so... I really couldn't see anything like my whole room was dark and then it lit up again and he was in a different spot so that really and wasn't that effect. fucking conversation the family was having wasn't that the most like asinine conversation in the world yeah <laughs> I was like trying to pay it I'm like should I be paying attention to this but yeah <laughs> oh man so um I don't know if there's anything else I mean the music we hit on a little bit too um <clears throat> oh, the fucking... This is what I wanted to say, dude. Um, this, like Miss Ward, there were many times when this movie could have ended. And I would have been yeah. completely happy with it. And my, one of my favorite ones, and I wish they would have went with this, because they didn't have the cops in the movie the whole fucking time, and then all of a sudden all the cops and the chief of police are the fucking cult leader guy and all of his cult people. That was awesome. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. That would have been well, great. I think, I think Chris might have something interesting to say about that. Hit it, Chris. Yeah, that's a great segue. I know, Again, we were this is like, if this, if this uh, podcast were an invention, uh, I don't know. What you know I, was trying to t- I was trying to tie in the word segue with the, the whole two wheel thing where you stand up and drive around that's exactly forget. what this show is is a segue and in fact here's a segue <laughs> plug to eric's other show wrestling with friends where he is the segue guy the other two guys aren't allowed to segue things because they're no good at it they're terrible <laughs> i picked up on a few things a few tricks uh but speaking of terrible chris why don't you go ahead and tell us about <laughs> I'm just looking through my notes to see if there was anything else I wanted to bring up besides – oh, before we talk about the la- the last part of this, um, the the scene where – I actually had a, I had a couple things about this I wanted to bring up. I'm glad I remembered now. So the first thing is a question for Creep because he knows kind of a little bit more about the, the ins and outs of, of the business. Okay. But um, – <laughs> when um when Jane wakes up 
and Richard has written a note in lipstick on the mirror. Mm-hmm. My question is, um, that, that note was written in English. And do you think that they did multiple versions of that same shot with different languages written on the mirror? I or did you so. think they just did one? No, I think so. And um, they probably had different mirrors. Um, because if you notice when she tried to rub it, like almost nothing happened. And I know lipstick is hard to get off of mirrors, as you can see in my film, The Corporate Cutthroat Massacre. But wow. if you um, don't like cheap plugs, um, she rubbed that and really nothing happened. So that lipstick was probably there for a while. So if they did do multiple takes, because I know with like Argento movies, like Bird with the Crystal Plumage, like the typing at the beginning, they did all that in Italian and in English. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm sure they did a mirror shot of that in Italian as well. But in the film I have, I believe it's the Italian cut. So I don't know why I would have it in there. Huh. Yeah, and, and they did that in Tenebrae too, because there's a, the, the introduction credits in Tenebrae, they've got a clip from the book. So I think they probably filmed it in every language possible. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's that. And then the other question, or the other thing I wanted to bring up was there's a scene, I think it's the scene after she wakes up, like we just said, and she sees the, she sees the, um, the note written on the mirror and, um, she goes and pours herself a bottle of J or, or a glass of J and B. And there's this awesome shot of the bottle through the fireplace. But then she gets the blue eyed guy comes in and attacks her, but it's really just a hallucination. Yeah. I think that, that was the one part that I thought was strange about the film because and then she had that time, like broken lamp or something in her hand. Right. And, and, and so you know, otherwise, it's kind of like throughout the whole film, you know, you're trying to you're trying to decide, you know, who's serious, who's really in, into Satan and who's really just in it for the scam. And this guy, um, you know, he's he's stalking her everywhere. He doesn't manage to ever kill her. He seems to always kind of be scaring her. And then he shows up in a, in a hallucination where he actually, you know, stabs her. Um, so it just made things more confusing. I think I don't know if there was a if there was a real point to. How did you guys feel about that scene? Did you think it was it was necessary or? Well, I don't think it was necessary, but I don't think forty minutes of this film was necessary. So <laughs> my question, and I guess you're going to answer it coming up here, but like I feel like there were like almost like two different movies shot. Right. Yeah, I didn't know if this well, was like a false ending to, to screw with the viewer either, but well, and, and yeah, so... okay. So so let's so let's talk about the the what I uncovered from doing a little research, and I've got the link um, to this article, which is a really uh, pretty good review of the film. In addition to, um, it's a review of uh, the differences between uh, the two films. Um, the, the we're coming there they're coming to get you version and the all the colors of the dark version so um, there let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head because I did read the um, I did read the article uh, basically when the film was released in the US 
the, the most important thing to talk about is the difference between the endings. And like Creep was basically saying, he loved the idea that you could end the film with the satanic guys coming in, um, pretending to be police officers and taking Jane away. So the scene is basically Jane comes, you know, Jane and, and Richard are, are, are in the lobby and, and they're waiting for the elevator and um, it gets stuck and uh, Richard goes upstairs and then I, I think I think there's a scream. I can't remember. And she runs up and then they cut away to a neighbor, uh, one of the neighboring apartments coming out of the door and he runs over to the elevator stall and it's Jane. She's in the elevator with the knife, with the bloody knife and Richard is dead. And then um, the cult guy comes in. He's the cop. Um, and they take her to another satanic uh ritual where he stabs her i think and um in the american cut of the film the movie ends there uh completely and um so it's not really considered a giallo if you end the film there because there's no explanation of anything they don't talk about what was really going on and, and there's no real ambiguity ambiguity about richard because he becomes a victim at the end um but then again you know it's pretty obvious that you know, when you're watching this, that this is a dream. I think she wakes up in the hospital yeah. and the doctor is the guy, is the cult guy. Um, so that scene is, so, so that's, so that's the ending scene of the American version. The other thing that they left out, um, of the American version, um, they left out the opening credit sequence that we talked about, which was really cool. Yeah. They also left out, um, the, the, the dream sequence. I think there's only about, 10 or 15 seconds of the dream sequence in the American print. Um, and the other scene that they left out was the scene where um, Barbara and Richard are con confront each other and Richard shoots Barbara. Um, that whole scene is, is gone from the American print too. So um, there's a, there's a part in the, at the, at, in the film right after um right after Richard shoots Barbara, the next scene they cut to um, Jane waking up in the bed and she says, Barbara. She wakes up from a dream and says, Barbara. Um, so I think in the American version, nobody would really make any sense out of that. Um, but really, it was supposed to imply that she had a premonition about Barbara getting shot. Um, and, and that ties in to the scene that they cut out see that's um, what i thought happened in this movie that it was a dream and then that's why when she said i know you killed barbara i was like what the fuck <laughs> i'm like or like i know you killed my sister that's why i got right. all fucking weirded out on it and apparently there was a uh, an issue as well with the fact that in the dream version they go and they're at the bottom of the elevator shaft and this whole thing where the elevator goes up and it gets stuck and then uh, Richard goes up to investigate. They replay that a second time in for real, or at least we think it's for real, uh, at the very end scene. And the second time that they play it, it's the satanic guy and he's up there and, there, and there's, a, there's a fight between Richard and, and the cult leader and, and he gets thrown off the, the roof. Um, but apparently there was an issue with the fact that... Um, people weren't paying attention and god you can't understand why people weren't paying attention by this point in the film um but uh, 
people weren't paying attention enough, so they thought that um, something happened with the projector and that they showed the same scene. <laughs> Excuse me. They oh, showed the same yeah. scene twice. Um, so they think... So after they screened it to some Italian audiences, Martino was told that, you know, the ending is too confusing. Uh, he, his quote is that it was, it was too far ahead of its time um, and that the audiences were confused and they thought that the scene just repeated itself and that there was a problem with the projector. So apparently the American version was cut. The scene was cut out. And I think it was cut out uh, in some of the Italian theatrical versions as well so and again you know the difference between whether this is just some kind of fantastic weird kind of um horror film versus whether it's got enough elements to qualify it as a giallo uh is uh, really comes down to the fact that they you know they added in or i i don't know if you want to say that they added in the giallo elements to the end of the film to make it more of a giallo or they cut out the end of the film to make it more of a horror film. I feel like um, it was supposed to be a giallo until they decided that the producers decided they wanted to cash in on Rosemary's Baby. That's right. my idea. The American producers? Or just... No, I think the Italian producers. Like, let's try to figure out a way to make as much money off this as we can. Let's sell it to America as a supernatural, crazy lady movie, and let's sell it to Italy as a fucking stab you in the neck kind of shit. Yeah. And even talking about that soundtrack, there are some tinges of... That's the first hint that I got. This was like Rosemary's Baby was the, the kind of the woman singing. Um... And then once I started noticing other scenes that kind of depicted that similar feel of a Rosemary's Baby, that's when it really started to kind of touch home with me. And that, I mean, Rosemary's Baby was quite a few years old, but oh, not a few, but like five or six, maybe I think. Or when did this one come out? This 70, is seventy-two. Oh, seventy-two. So it, was it was like, like the year before, old. right? I think Rosemary's Baby was in the late '60s, '68. I want to say. And when did Exorcist come out? That I don't even know. If, I don't think that one was out yet. Okay. But yeah, I see what you're saying with with wanting to cash in on that, and then, um, yeah, like you were mentioning, Chris, it seemed like they cut out every scene that would have implicated Richard as kind of a bad guy, and they wanted right. to leave it more of him being this kind of a martyr for Jane, and uh, they they really just pinned it back onto this cult or this satanic cult leader and that was yeah, because, very much you know, American depending on your disposition you could watch the full Italian version and still consider Richard's character to be a hero and to be a, a 100% good guy right. um, but it's just that you know like Creep was saying you know once these guys get a little typecast and then as soon as you start to um, think a little bit suspiciously about any of them then you know it, it's it kind of the fact that they're reusing these actors over and over again is really um, it sometimes hurts their their script yeah. because you're like, well, it yeah, hurts well, it when you're giving them time. the same role every time. And I don't mean to like, for instance, like I love Edwidge in a role where she's like the helpless victim. I think she does that really, really good. But in the movies where 
and I mean, again, she only did a handful of Jolly, but like, like, uh, your room, vice, locked, key, that one's a little bit different. Like, she gets to play a sort of different character, you know? Yeah, and, she's um, more aggressive. Yeah, and so it's like, yep. but I love her in this role. You know, and it was funny because I was thinking about it the other day, or um, or no, it was today. I was like, dude, this could totally be a sequel to um, Case of the Bloody Iris. Like they get away oh, yeah, that's true. and they go to London, and she gets pulled into another satanic cult and all this other shit. And I was just like, fuck, that would have been so fucking cool because like they don't do sequels, you know. And so it's just like that would have been fucking rad. But like, yeah, just real quick. So him having the book on Satanism, he only had that because he was trying to find out what the symbol was on Barbara's arm. Is that what I got out of that? Yeah, yeah and they didn't have the internet. So. And so that whole right. bit where he looks up at Mary was just to throw us off or to make him look bad? Well, the real question is, he's looking up, and Mary and Jane are in the same... Um, they're at the same kind of vantage point, right? They're at the same perspective. Yeah, but so Mary's I, window comes out a little bit, so Jane can see that Mary was looking down at him and he was looking up at her. Hmm. Interesting. Let's pretend that, that what, didn't happen. Is Go that ahead. why you're, you're kind of walking away from this, wondering if he had an ulterior motive at the end of the film when... He's trying to think of ways to... Something just doesn't sit right. Yeah. I did like how there was that one dude that kind of looked like Blue Eyes. And so, like, that one time when she, like, locks herself out of the apartment, yeah. which was just hysterical. I started fucking laughing out yeah. loud. But that dude <clears throat> comes walking around the corner, and it wasn't freaking creepy Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, standing out in the yard looking up at her at a window, you know? So that was kind of neat. But, um, yeah. And again, I think it's just the whole, like, Miss Ward thing. Like, the whole time I'm just, like, waiting for Dick <laughs> Steele to fucking go. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think overall for me, this was a film that the plot moved kind of sluggishly. It never really elevated from any, from, it felt like it was on a plateau the whole time. Um, it was just back and forth Burton and Richard trying to convince her of her dreams and then the other one trying to convince her that they're real um, and then the uh, the weird rituals I just didn't think got enough time in this film to really elevate it from that spot where it was just stagnating but overall I think this is more of a of a film that we were kind of talking about visually it's great to watch um, it's, just, it's got suspense scenes almost every 10 minutes or so, just Those like we're saying, the, su the subway train or that stairway climb, even though it wasn't the same guy, I thought watching him kind of go up at the same time as the elevator and wanting to wanting that elevator to get up faster than him so bad and uh, stuff like that is just, that, that put this movie over for me, even though the plot itself was kind of, had you kind of looking at your watch or things like that, right. waiting for the next disrobe. Well, for me, for sure, for now on, whenever I go to a party, I'm going to stand with my back to the party and put my hands up and then spin around. 
because that's like the fucking coolest way to enter a room I've ever seen. <laughs> Even though I wonder what everyone's doing when he has his back to the crowd. Like, how long is he standing there with his back to everybody, with his arms not up? Well, like, you, that was weird. You better just start growing out your fingernails then. Psh, done. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Hell yeah. I need to drink more vitamin D. Mine are pretty brittle. Oh, it's too bad. Is that but... what it is? I don't know. Calcium too, bro. Yeah. I have a uh, keratin access. Not access, excess, okay. like in New Girl. Wow. I just brought it to New Girl. <laughs> I'll hook you up. So anyhow. But yeah, so for me, this is not my favorite Martino movie. This is not my favorite uh, Edwidge movie. This is not my favorite George Hilton movie. I would rather watch Strange Vice and Miss Ward a hundred fucking times than watch this movie again. Yeah, I uh, agree. But it is. It does a highlight good how? Watch. Yeah, it does highlight how Martino is really good at capturing you in a nightmare, whether it's a a psychedelic nightmare or it's one that you're being stalked by a killer. Kind I guess I just sides. I don't really I didn't like the actor who played the cult leader with gingivitis. Yeah, I'm kind of glad not he my favorite guy. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know. And that fucking damn coat she had that looked like it was burlap, like a blue burlap with a red string through it, that's probably so itchy. The whole time I might go into it, I bet she's fucking itching like crazy under that fucking thing. That was my issue. You better call out that costume designer. Yeah. What the hell's going on? Yeah. I think I'm gonna. The cut was nice, but the fabric, uh-uh. Fabric? <laughs> no way, dude. Raspberry. Yep. So, yeah, so that is all the colors of the dark. Chris, do you have uh, anything else you want to add? No, I think we covered everything. Um, there's, there's one thing we might have missed. Pubic hair? Yeah, there wasn't any. Right, yeah, we were missing that pretty hard, but We've been talking a lot about Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Well, kind of how this this was similar to that one after the, the Scorpion's Tail film. I did see in Thailand that the, the name of the film there was Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward 2. So they did have a oh, sequel boy. there. Oh my gosh, they released that as that? Yeah. That's fucking rad. That's horrible. I mean, I would not have picked that movie to do it, but I guess that makes sense. Right. What were some of the other crazy titles for this thing? Uh, English titles, I only saw They're Coming to Get You, Day of the Maniac, and Demons of the Dead. Which, I didn't see what those were sourced as or where those were released, but those were the English titles that I saw. There were a couple of close-up shots of her face when she was freaking out that I swear to God they lifted from Case of the Bloody Iris, or vice versa. It yep. looked like the exact same shot. Like she had the same fucking eyelashes and everything. Oh. <sighs> but yeah. Okay, well, cool. Um, the <laughs> other thing we have to do today, since we are in the middle of our three movie blah, blah, blah. Um, next week, we are going to do the amazing film... Five Dolls for an August Moon, which Yay. is dear to my heart. Um, I've already seen it, so I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> he watched it on accident. 
<laughs> um, so that'll be that excited. the next episode, and um, I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited. But um, we have to do our picks for the next round of movies we're going to do. So drum roll please me okay that was great um chris why don't you pick first since you are uh, mr picker today this is birthday I'm today mr. so mr nose nose picker okay uh i haven't picked one yet so i'm going to randomly pick one that i haven't put on the site yet so it'll force me to do some work on the Yay. site Yay. Uh, <laughs> um let's see not to have this prepared or anything like that. No, no, I'm just looking. Uh, <laughs> Do you want Eric to go I, first and you can come back? There's no, there. You know, there's there's a few that we've talked about that we that we've we've all talked about that we want to cover, um, and I'm trying to decide between uh, a few of those or maybe just going machine. out on a limb, trying something completely. Yeah, you know, washing machine. Uh, LOL. <laughs> 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 um. So I'm gonna say let's. My pick is gonna be. Fucking suspense king over here. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know we were talking about suspense in this film, but on a podcast, my I don't know how it works. It's gonna be. Uh, your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. Are you serious? Whoa! Whoa wait a second. Whoa. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Why would happen? No, Why is that bad? No, that's not bad. That means we only have, what, one more Edwidge movie that we haven't done? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Whew, okay. That's it was awesome. Between, uh, you guys make your picks and then I'll tell you what it was between. Okay. Eric, you go ahead. Alright. I've got two as... Well, I don't know if you had two, but I've got two... So I'm, I haven't decided either, but I'm going to go with instinct and say I'm going to kind of build off of last week and go with the title that I liked, The House with the Laughing Windows. Ooh. All right. Okay. That's good. And then I guess um, I'm going to pick this one because I would like to talk about it first off. But um, mainly, I want to get it out of the way so we could talk about his later stuff that I know you guys probably do want to talk about. So I'm going to pick Cat of Nine Tails. Okay. Wow. Wow. Cool. So we got... This is going to be a tough one. Your Vice, Cat of Nine Tails, and Laughing Windows. Right. All right. What was was the one you were going to pick? The other two I had... Uh, on my maybe or maybe not list was Forbidden Photos. That was on my maybe. Lady Above Suspicion. Uh, the New York Ripper. Also a maybe. And um, The Bloodstained Shadow. So That'll be a all... fun one to do because that one is more up my alley, I think. As far as Which one? the stuff that Bloodstained I like Shadow. that you guys hate. Yeah. Okay, so I bought uh, Strip Nuke for a Killer. You know, just it's, it's hey, more you know fun. Those, you know? Yeah, those ones, are, those ones are high up on my list. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, kind of 
It's just like I want to do Cat of Nine Tails, and I want to be able to talk about the Animal Trilogy and spend some time actually talking about that and his growth through that period. And I know we talked about it a little bit when we did Four Flies, but I would like to kind of get into it a little bit deeper. So um, I just think that would be a really good discussion to have. Yep. And I'm excited for that one. I probably will pick that over my own because I haven't watched Cat of Nine Tails in a while and it's one of my favorite films. So that's exciting. Well, I'll probably pick yours because I like Edwidge. So, and it has that dude from Kidnapped in it with the funny face who's in freaking Five Dolls for an August Moon. He's got a mouth oh, yeah. that's like a Muppet. Right. <laughs> I guess I don't really have an argument for mine other than the fact that Mysterio Lives gave it a five-star review, so... Ooh. Oh, speaking of, did you guys listen to not their last episode, but the one before that? Um, Justin went to some like symposium of Italian directors and yeah, I think um, he said he was going to do that. Yeah, yeah he taught he um, he mentioned this on his last show or on the show. Not before. Yeah, whatever. But he mentioned that when um, he talked to one of the people there and they were talking about how when Bird with the Crystal Plumage was originally released in Italy, it like kind of bombed. And it wasn't until it was released in America and took off that they re-released it in Italy. And I did not know that because I always heard, or I always thought, that it was something that was like, oh, this is the next big thing. Everyone flocked to it kind of thing. Yeah. I could see how that would happen. Yeah. I kind of heard that, though, with, like, Black Sunday, too, with Maria Bava's Black Sunday over in Italy. Like, they're harsh on it overseas but whenever it does well in america then they always re-release it right i don't know well it was originally called white saturday and people thought it was uh, like a sale or something and it just right you get linens half off and so as long as it was before labor day <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, bringing it back okay so um so we'll have Eric pick the top three next week. So that's what's fair. Next time. Why do we always say week? This is a fucking fortnight bi-weekly motherfucking show. I never say week. Oh, okay. I guess it's just this. <laughs> well, to be fair, I didn't even know we were doing the show today until yesterday. I thought we had another <laughs> week. So um, that was my bad. All right. Well, um, I'm getting away with it. Yeah. I actually seriously... This is, like, one of the most looking forward to things I do. I get so excited to do this show with you guys. It's just a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Cool. So that's that's enough sucking off each other's fingers. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so those are our movies that we're picking, and you guys could vote for them. And until next time, um, we are us, and this is the show, and we will leave you with our coming attraction that was spelt with a U, uh, five dolls for an August moon, <laughs> because I cannot wait to talk about Edwidge's hair. Um, and, and that's basically all I got. So until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.
Twenty-three for five dollars.